podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketers Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and today joining myself and Jim Simonetti are Danny Lennon and Graham Diamond. Welcome to the show guys. Thanks Paul, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. It's a real pleasure to have you in from Clyde Football Club, we've got the manager and the sporting director. So brilliant that you're taking a wee bit of time out of your busy schedules to come along. We've been talking a wee bit about uh, youth football over the last few weeks and it's fantastic to get an insight maybe into how that works at the top level because Danny is one... Uh, trophies at the top level of football and how it works where Clyde are these days sometimes we take it for granted or Celtic could maybe loan players to this club or that club how does it benefit you guys as well Um, how is that working how difficult is it during pandemic to get players in and everything else that uh, might come to mind during that conversation so thank you very much for being here today Um, the first thing is I've got a, a bit of concern and you guys can maybe tell me or allay my concerns I feel that there's a lot of Celtic prodigies on the way out the door before we've even seen them performing. So the other day there, we got news that uh, Conor McBride was away to Blackburn. Um, and that follows Liam Morrison and Barry Hepburn going to Bayern Munich. And there's rumours, uh, unconfirmed rumours, that Dembele might be on his way out as well. He's coming to Clyde. Well done, well done. My, yeah, my concern these days, Danny, going back to you playing, there's no reserve league. There's there's a bit of a void between the development players and the first team. Would you agree? Yeah, I think massively. Um, way back in the day, I always recall, you know, my younger days at Hibs, um, and, and and clubs looked to farm maybe younger players out to junior clubs. 
but there was a real competitiveness um, in the reserve football. You know, it was proper. The the first team played at one stadium. Uh, the opposite venue, the reserves went to the, up, the 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 other side, and you're playing against real, real good quality, experienced players, maybe coming back from injury, players that are needing games, etc. And I thought it was a great learning school, and I think that 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 bridge, you know, I, I think players technically are brought up very, very sound uh, in today's uh, game, but they still need to cash in and get out there and get the experience. Uh, what men's football is all about. See, when you were a, a youngster making your, your way in the game, maybe at Hibs, and you, you were playing for the, the reserves, and maybe you were playing alongside a seasoned pro, an old grizzly pro, Danny, would you learn a lot just by playing with them, without the textbook, without the kind of coaching, just by seeing them by example? Yeah, no doubt. You know, John Collins was a young one, you know, or, or slightly older than us, but played um, for maybe three months in the reserves, you know, while he was making that that breakthrough into the first team, you could see the level is where he was. And I thought he was a prime example and, and someone uh, showing you the direction of how hard you had to work, you know, in terms of where you had to be to play at that level of football. I recall even later on, Stevie Archibald came to, to Hibs at that time. Um, him and Alec had a, a fallout and, that, and, and, and Stevie was put, put to the reserves, you know, for somewhere to play. But... I must admit, he acquitted himself fantastically well and he was absolutely terrific for us young players, you know, to go and I've never seen a player, you know, play in the half turn and get his body mm. between defender and ball as much as Stevie and get on that half turn and he had a, you know, he had a touch like a butterfly, velvet, so it was, yeah. I think, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining you as a teenager and you're playing alongside an ex-Barcelona player yeah. for Hibs Reserves. I mean, you're going to learn from that, agree me? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, the point that Danny's making there about the, the, the reserves, if you ask most people in the game, you, you, the, the law the law tell you that that's where they learn the game. Any young player coming through learns that, and that's definitely what's missing. Because if you had a, a, a player who has a good attitude, so, some of them, the, the, the players coming down, don't, and, and that can be detrimental at times, but if you can get a good, experienced player, you'll learn more from him in one game than you will do, in my opinion, in perhaps a season of academy football. Mm-hmm. And that's just by seeing, seeing what they do, listening to what they say, and just being encouraged. And at the same time, maybe a wee jolt as well, when you're maybe not doing something. So it, it's for me, it, reserve team football is a big miss. However, I understand the reasons why maybe it, it is no more. Personally, myself, I would love to see it coming back, but finances will always dictate to what happens here. I was going to ask, because I know that the financial element was one of the reasons, certainly, for the Reserve League being scrapped when it was scrapped. A lot of clubs were struggling to pay the overheads for it, weren't they? Yeah. Do you see a time, Graham, where we, we bring it back, or going back to something that has been proposed in the past, do you think that maybe some Colt teams, at some stage, will be introduced? And I'll come back to the Celtic Colts... Um, playing against yourself Danny because that was tremendous when you came on as a 50 yeah. year old do you think that is the way to go can can the young guys get experience by having because they do it in Spain don't they the B teams are playing yeah, in the they pyramid do. yeah, yeah. Uh, at, the, at the moment and, and I'm not too sure how many people are, are aware of this but both Celtic and Rangers um, wanted to have their coat teams uh, put into the league structure and I think it was more timing than, than, than anything else that that didn't happen for uh, this season coming, or, or the season which should have been started there in uh, 
last week. And the proposal was for to, to, to let the two Colts teams in, but there wasn't enough time really for to, to digest uh, the ins and outs of it. So it was knocked back uh, as part of the league reconstruction meetings for the, the Hearts and the Thistle case scenarios and, and whatnot. I think that was taking more precedence. However, um, what transpired from that was they went away and had a great good think about it again. They did the sums better and they came up with a new proposal. Now, what happened was Celtic took half the teams in, in out of the 42, I think they took 20 teams, and Rangers took 20 teams to go around and speak with them and explain exactly what they were going to do and how they were going to do it. Um, we had a meeting with uh, with Rangers because uh, we were in, in, that, in that part of the, the divide and uh, Craig Mulholland, who's the academy director there, um, explained to us exactly how it would work. Mm-hmm. Now, in theory, I thought it was a good idea. Financially, it was always a good idea as well and they were proposing it starts next season, so it'll be season 21-22. So, I think it's got a good chance of, of happening. Uh, though obviously, it'll go to a vote with the clubs and, and, and they'll decide upon it. But for me, that would be good for them. Now, they were also talking then about maybe an Aberdeen Colts and a Hibs Colts or mm-hmm. whatever. How that then morphs into to, to the bigger picture, I'm unsure. But I think it's worth a try to get um, league reconstruction in, which could possibly be... Uh, Premier, 14 clubs. Championship, 14 clubs. So there's 28. And if you had the, the other 14, which would make it 42, um, if you also added in the Celtic Rangers Colts, that would be 44. And potentially, potentially, uh, and I'll just take a couple of names here, uh, Kelty Hearts or an uh, Auchinleck Talbot, for example. Because what's happening at the moment is, and and and. Danny can actually uh, back me up on this. Clubs like Kelty Hearts and uh, BSC Glasgow, Drumchapel United, all these teams who are in now in the pyramid of the lower leagues are spending absolute fortunes mm-hmm. yeah. on signing players. Yeah. So much so, we can't compete with what they're offering. Now, that that can't be right that when a, a Division One club is struggling to compete yeah. with a, a club who... Uh, with all due respect, um, a junior club. And some of them are even, if I take from Chapel United, for example, in existence for, you know, 10 minutes, mm-hmm. and with all due respect, um, are able to offer players such as the ex-captain of Hamilton who played in the Premier League last year. And we can come nowhere near that. No. So if you take those two clubs and make it a potential... 46, which would make it 14, 14, and maybe an 18. Mm-hmm. So that the, the team who are playing in the Division 1 then, they would only play each other twice, so it's 34 games. The rest could still play their um, uh, home and away games, plus then the cut-off, whether it be the top six or the top eight. So these ideas are floating about at the moment. It is exciting, I think, mm-hmm. and and a real possibility of making real change. However, I would just like to maybe caution with the amount of the amount of clubs who are splashing out a lot of money, there is maybe only one or two that can be successful. What are the other eight or nine going to do when they're not successful? One, I'll tell you what, he'll get sacked because he's a manager of that club. 
They've spent fortunes and they haven't made it. They maybe came in second. That's not good enough so for the amount of money. So these clubs yeah. are putting themselves right up there like ducks at the shows, waiting to be shot down. Yes. But you, you look at it, how long How long can that be sustained with these other teams? Uh, you're talking about the Drumchapel Amateurs or the Kelties, whatever. Drumchapel United. Drum, sorry, Drumchapel United. Given this uh, type of finance uh, to these players... It's short-termism, Jim. That's what it is. Yeah, of course it is. You know, for a club like Clyde since 1877, my priority as a sporting director, first priority is to ensure that we're still in business this time next year So he, through this pandemic. Aye, so here's a question for you. So you've just signed, uh, or, or sorry, you've got a player in, in, in loan from Rangers, uh, Matthew Shields, left-back 19-year-old. Yes. Uh, players like him, uh, you're looking at John Jack, uh, St Mirren, and, and Josh Jay, Jack Josh Jack sorry and Jay Henderson yeah. just checking a few things so how do you then afford a player like that that's coming in from whether it be, be Rangers or Celtic or St Mirren how does that work well we have an arrangement to, with the clubs um, because of a relationship and, and maybe I'll let Danny touch upon it as yeah. he had a better relationship with St Mirren yeah yeah. I, I, th- I think um, the likes of these players come in they need access this season you know, to competitive football. Um and and, and getting players of the, the LK, Matty Shields, you know, Josh and yeah. uh, Jay Henderson. Um we take it as a compliment, you know, that premiership clubs are approaching Clyde Football Club. And I think that goes to, to say that all the good work that's been put in place, the foundation that um is is in and around there. Um yeah. and 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 possibly the, the style of football and the philosophy that, that myself and my staff and the, fo- the football club has. So it's great to build e- an easy relationship in, up in there, you know, and um, as much as much as we're helping these players have the access to go and get in first or the opportunity first team football, it works both ways. You know, you need a helping hand for the, for the lending club, to, you know, to make it financially... Um, Viable. A, a viable, yeah. Yeah. You, you, you need that. And um, I, I think going back to what Graham was, what you were talking initially about the Celtic and, and the Rangers Colts, I think of everything and in, in, is, is, is caught up and the finances are, are are dealt with properly, you know, for the for the other clubs in there. I actually think it would be great that these guys are out there because they're the crop. They're the ones that are investing heavily, you know, with... Um, their finances and the best kid, uh, kids in and around the country or even other countries, they need access to that. And I think that overall, these these so-called better kids given access to, to first-team football, I think overall that would help our national game as well. Mm-hmm. No doubt. But, but you, you, you look at these, uh, these players mm-hmm. that's on the periphery and the young players that's coming through. Um, correct me if I'm, I'm right here. Uh, the young uh, fella, uh, Matthew Shields, was he previously as a youth player at Celtic? Then he went to Rangers. Now he's uh, he's coming with you guys. So part of his development, will you uh, put him into the first team, or has he got to play in the first team when he's loaned out, or is that down to you guys? Listen, you'll, you'll never have a, a gun held to your head. You know yeah. that the, the boy's got an opportunity. He's got access there. You know, to come and play. That any kid or any player coming in un, under your care, 
um, you'll help shape, guide them, you know, and and um, and look after them. But they've got to earn the right, and they'll certainly be given an opportunity. Like any footballer out there, they've got to earn the right. You know, if they want that jersey week in and week out. Well, that's good to hear, Danny, because you wouldn't, you wouldn't, me, if I was the, the, the coach sitting there, I wouldn't like to be dictated to that I've been bringing a player in, I must play him. But that, that, that's refreshing. Yeah. Paul, you were going to ask a question there? Well, <clears throat> Danny, you mentioned John Collins, uh, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, when you're coming through at Hibs. And he's famed for his, you know, commitment to his yeah. fitness and his diet and that type of thing. And he had a fantastic career. Uh, I was a huge fan of Collins when he was at Hibs. I watched him at Easter Road quite a bit when he came to Celtic. And then obviously went on uh, to do great things elsewhere as well. At 50, playing against the Colts, you must look after yourself as well, Danny. What was your thoughts on John's comments in and around the mentality and the culture of Scottish football? He was talking recently about how he wouldn't personally like to manage because he would find it difficult to get them into the same mindset. Is that something that still exists in Scotland? I think when you've done as well as John Collins in the game, you can save virtually anything that you mm-hmm. want, Paul, you know, because you've got the money in the bank to, to do that. There's some of us out there that have still got to go out there and make a living and make make help and shape and improve these guys. You know, we're just going to stay behind the scenes there and, and not attempt to change our game. I understand totally what he's saying. He's been fortunate enough to play at the highest level and he earned the... He earned the right to go and play at the highest level. Um, but what we need, we need guys like John Collins with that experience, you know, to bring it back in. Very successful at Hibs when he was, when he, when he was a, a manager coach there. Um, and I think, like anything in, uh, in today's game, you know, it's a massive, massive part to play in it mm-hmm. for me, Paul. I, I remember growing up as a kid or even becoming a young coach, Coming a young coach myself, you know, they always spoke about the, the four aspects of the game. Technical, tactical, uh, physical. And the one that we always sort of da- uh, dabbled in was the mental attitude, you know, the, the psychological one. For me, I think that's the most important one now. You know, as a coach, even as a player, is to try and have that mindset. And not every single one of them uh, do, but as coaches, you've got to try and guide, shape them, you know, into the right path and... I think if you look at the even the average player that's playing in the in my opinion the best league in the world and now the, the, the premiership down south, they're athletes, first mm-hmm. and foremost. Mm-hmm. Proper athletes. See when you look at the, some of maybe the Celtic names that I've mentioned, the young teenage guys, and they're looking around at maybe some of the big clubs down south. The wages are a part of that. I, I totally get that. They might get a massive big wage increase. I think Aaron Hickey's the, the case in point, if he moves to the Bologna or mm. Bayern Munich, then he's going to have a massive wage increase. But surely that's only part of it. Are they also looking at the development? Do you think agents are playing a part at that age as well? I mean, why why can't we nurture that talent in Scotland? That's my big concern. I think financially is the main, is the main important is the main driver in that. I think the modern manager. We've got to live with agents. They're a big part of the game now. Yeah. Um, so they are. Um, the, the, the advice that they give, there's so much access and so much money going about there. Um, and I'm a big believer, Paul, you know, the amount of money that particularly comes into the game down south, you know, in the Premiership, um, etc. And we talk about the salaries that players are getting. The players, in my opinion, should be getting the, the big money, you know, that's coming in there. You know, why is it going out to the the agents, you know, mm. should be coming into the people that are that are sacrificing themselves every single week. So I understand that 
where that then drives, you know, is, is, is then the player, is he driven by, you know, going out there to, to make a great career for himself and do the best? It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. You can compete against the best players in the world, or is he quite happy to have instant success and anything that money can buy, you know, and, 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 and that's enough for them. You know, and I think that's where we probably lose a great deal. We've seen many a good player going down south, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and lose them. You know, you, you, you talk maybe three, four years later and you forget about that player. What's pleasing to see the now, you, you, you see the likes of young John McGinn, Kenny, Mc, Kenny McLean going down, and they're starting to make a name for themselves, you know, and that, that's very, very pleasing. Hopefully we can talk about a couple of the players because I know you were part of the development there as well, Danny. When did it become clear to you as a player that you had designs on yourself to be a coach? I mean, I had one eye on Wraith Rovers because of one of my local clubs and I've seen the transformation under Jimmy Nicol and winning the League Cup. You scored against Bayern Munich the following season. At what point, or was there a manager that, that maybe you looked at and you thought, you know, that's quite inspirational. I, I want to move into coaching. I think, Paul, I've, I've always been engrossed with coaching. You know, I always enjoyed training. And not just to turn up as a player, but to take what you had, you know, to be the best that you could be and what you learnt from that day. I think you talk about, you know, all managers, and I think you've got to look back and 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 look at all the managers that you've played under. And there's some managers there that have learnt great things and some managers that, no, I wouldn't use that but it's still an experience of where you are. John Blackley, who signed me, you know, for Hibs as a young 15-year-old boy, I thought he was absolutely fantastic in terms of, I met John maybe, I only worked with John for maybe six months, didn't even really work with him because he was part of the reserves, etc. there. But it always, any times that I came across John, and even still today, always asked how the family and that is, so he yeah. always made it personally, he was fantastic at that. Mm-hmm. Um, Alec Muller, who then came in the back of John had was an absolutely fantastic tactician in that era, you know, so he was very methodical in his approach and his detail in the game, which, you know, I would I would say so myself. You know, you try and leave no stone unturned. Jimmy Nickel, just for his enthusiasm and his love and turning up there, you know, and making an environment that you're happy to come in with a smile and go out with a smile. 
John Lambie, myself and Graham spoke about him. You know, he wasn't renowned as a fantastic tactician, but what he absolutely had was an eye for a player and experience. Uh, players in there and people that could go and manage a dressing room but what I loved about him was his honesty and his integrity John could shoot you down in one sentence but pick you up in the next one so mm-hmm. he could it was absolutely fantastic man management um, so I think you learn a great deal but what you've also got to do most importantly as a manager or a young coach yourself you've got to bring your own ideas and be, and be yourself learn from your experience what works for you and I think every single day every single week you know, it's certainly a, an education day. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm engrossed with the game of football. Uh, and, you know, every week they're turning. Great to, to have Graham come in as sporting director, you know, because it gives you someone else to, to go and bounce off. He's had wonderful experiences in the game, um, he's earlier. So that is certainly something that, that I'll tap, tap into, you know. And sometimes, I, I was mentioning to Graham the other night there, my love is to get in there and coach. But sometimes when you're in there and amongst it, you can miss a great deal. You know, sometimes you've got to come out and or somebody actually physically come and pull you out there so that you get a wee helicopter approaching. You can can see exactly what's happening there. Um, and I think as I've got older as a coach, I do that a wee bit better now. I look at Cowan Beath again, a local club to me. And you look at some of the, the managers who have gone to Cowan Beath, either as a stepping stone or to start the manager managerial career and it's been a bit of a, a fertile ground for them you know when you think of mix with Pat Alain and even Craig Levine Craig. going there you went and you had great success at Cowdenbeath now we know they're a small provincial club they're relying on small attendances as well Danny um, I mean Central Park is is uh, infamous because <laughs> yeah. of the, the stock car racing and everything else when you you're looking at that yourself What's the first thing that comes to your mind in relation to getting a club like that working? Cowdenby for me, Paul, was an absolutely wonderful learning curve. And it was a, an opportunity that perhaps, you know, if you don't take it, um, may not have come uh, come up again, you know, in terms of a, a manager, managerial job. I sort of had a, a dual role within that, you know, as well as the, the manager uh, in football. also had the, the general manager's job. So it gave me an absolutely wonderful insight to how a football, a football club was run. Um, so much so that when I did go to St Mirren and it was a bigger organisation, you know, finances, they were playing in the top league. It gave me a great deal of appreciation, you know, in the fantastic work that other people did in the football club. Um, so it was. Um, and, you know, to understand that, because I feel that everybody to work to their maximum, to, to, to get the best out of people. They've got to feel valued. Um, and that that was a great learning curve for me. It uh, couldn't be to do that. That's an important thing that you've just said <coughs> there, to feel valued. And it's important that when you do uh, get uh, young players in and seasoned pros in, that they still feel valued. We touched on it there, and I think you just touched on it at the beginning as well, Graham. If a player... Has been in the Celtic Rangers system, and they've got this mentality that that's that's where they should be, and that's still their level. And then they come down uh, into the lower leagues, and they've got somebody like yourself who embraces embraces them in, and then helps them develop not just their game but their mentality, their whole mentality to become better players within the game and the level of that, and hopefully go back up again. So. To feel valued 
is very important. And the more coaches that that look at that and value players when they come in, and don't just look at them as players, but how can we help this person get back up and become the best they can be? And that's very important. I think that as a coach, when I when I've got a, a players, make them all feel valued. They used a word earlier there as well, eh, eh, Danny. Enthusiasm, Graham. No, for sure. Have we still got that enthusiasm for the young young players in the game? Have we still got that? Well, I mean, we're talking here. Even even the season pros, we've been talking about on the a Celtic state of mind and how. Uh, the midfield at the moment is a bit congested with the amount of, of players that's in there. Uh, we're, we're lacking this left back position at the moment. But if you've got a player, if you've got a player uh, and it's Clyde or we, we, with the bothies, and you've got all these players, but you know that left back position uh, is needing filled, me, I'd be coming in, I'd be champing your door, boss, boss, boss. I'll play left back. I'll play. I'll play anywhere for you. I'll play whatever you want me to play me. I might be a centre mid, I might be a right mid, I might be a left mid. But see that positioning now, that's empty. I'm in. I want going to pick me. I'll, I'll do a job in there for you. Have we still got that? Can you ask your agent to come in tomorrow morning and see us? Because that's exactly... That is exactly the attitude that we would look for from, from a player. You want that. You've, you've got to have it. So all this talk, well, these clubs, they've got the players there. Back to Paul and the question and you saying the money's good for them. But it is great. Money is good. Money's brilliant. But if you if you want to make a name for yourself in any sport or football, you want name medals. You want you want everything that you can get and, and, the, and achieve everything within your trade. You want to become uh, a good player. You want to get a medal at the end that you can talk about later on with your grandkids or whatever. I look at it and I say, enthusiasm, commitment, attitude, togetherness in the team, it gets you, it gets you so far. We look at it. We were, we were the underdogs in the, even all through our Scottish Cup, Graham, eh? Mm-hmm, yeah. All underdogs. They're never going to do it. They're never going to get anywhere. Well, that team actually had enthusiasm. They had commitment like you wouldn't believe, eh, Paul? They, were, they had a togetherness that was brilliant. Every one of them wanted to play. And he asked these kids, where would you play? Anywhere. They went to play against Lyon, eh, Paris Saint-Germain. Eh, eh, Bayern Munich was in the tournament. It was a, a tournament in Braun. Eh, eh, as I say, St Etienne and whatever. They came away and they won it. They won that tournament. They came back. They come back for France. They won it. They won the Scottish Cup. They won the Scottish Cup. They won the League Cup. They won. They won everything. Eight of them went on to professional football. There's only one in professional football today, and that's the 1994 age group. Sorry, and then another one came in, which was Daniel Fisher, but that was later on down the line, Graham, yeah, as you know. Yes, yes. But yeah. one, but the guy who we didn't think would maybe get there, he's now got over 200. A, or 175 games, professional games, a, up at Elgin City. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, they've got to have that enthusiasm. They've got to come chatting your door down. They've got to burst it down. Boss, boss, I'm here. I'm here for you. Yeah. I don't see it. 
I, I, I think you're totally right there, Jim. And you know, you don't want the door getting chat. You're, you're, you're wanting that door getting kicked in. Correct. So you, do, you know, and I don't see that. Put it in. I had mm-hmm. a, an experience with a player. I'll no, I'll no name him, but quite a well-known player, good profile, um, and we brought him in just at, uh, round about the Christmas time there, and. I've worked with this player several times. Um, in fact, Greg Weld, there, there you go, I don't mind saying. And mm. we brought him in to give him an opportunity know, to, go and, to go, and, go and play again. And um, he came back in, gave him a little bit of time to go and get fit, um, etc. Now, a Greg Weld, where he's been in the game, he should have been coming in and making a difference at Clyde and sticking out week in and week out. Yeah. And he signed until this, the, the summer, um, so he did and you know it was an opportunity to put his cell back into the shot window as he put it I says Greg you've not even got the shutters up son no you have but my point being there that even when we made team selections etc never once in that period for the Christmas to the summer did he shut my door and ask the question you know he just, accept, just accepted accepted it, just accepted it um, and I think that hunger that desire I've worked with many a player that are you know, so motivated, just want to play. I've got a couple in there now. We talk about these junior clubs that have came in and offered big money. I've actually had two players there in this, the, the summer that, that got offered a great deal more than what Clyde could pay at this moment in time. But yeah. they've decided to stay because of the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, where they've been and to be part of, you know, a journey that is, that is continuing to grow. Um, and I think that speaks volume to the character of these players. So it, do. it does, but you and I have been talking about this, Paul, about the youth players, and you know that they, they get into that system, eh, and it's everything's there at a time. How do you become hungry if you've got everything? You've got to have that. You've got to have that hunger. As a coach, I'm a, a, always wanting to learn. I might phone Graham. I might phone this guy, or that guy, or whatever. I don't know everything about mm-hmm. coaching. I yeah. don't know. I want to. I want to keep. Bringing in, what can I learn for here? What can I learn for there? Mm. Look at the wealth. Look at the wealth of knowledge that you've actually got in your brain for these these other coaches mm. that you've worked with. But we have a saying, you take what is useful for every one of them. Yeah. And what is no, you put it to the side and disregard it for the time being. But you might go back to something again. Like it may be a corner kick, number three. Yeah. Number three, he warned these Partick Thistle players when we were playing against them, they're going to come out and they're going to do these short corners. Right? But it was him that taught it. Mm-hmm. Graham taught it to mm-hmm. us. But we'd done that number three and it came off, it worked, we scored a goal and he went, I told you that we're going to do that. So there's all wee different things in the game that we all learn for each other. But you've got the wealth of all these yeah. experienced coaches to come to you, to give you your players and the players that you bring on to give you their players. Yeah. I, I know I, what we're talking about, cow and beef there, yeah. and I got onto this. Oh, I, don't, I don't want to name drop here No I, I hate it But I will I remember Brendan Rogers saying That coaches Are the biggest thieves Absolutely Yeah, yeah. And that's a compliment mm-hmm. And he wasn't saying it in any derogatory manner he, he was talking about his own experience Of him maybe looking and going and seeing What Josie Mourinho was doing Or whatever yeah. And taking that wee bit And not actually replicating it But tweaking it here and there and it becomes your own then But there's nothing wrong with that There's nothing yeah. wrong with that Me, me and Paul's got a saying Sid Vicious singing my way And Frank Sinatra yeah. singing my way Two different deliveries But each one Effective Effective, effective. To whatever audience yeah. is looking Yeah, yeah. 
And I think also taking that back even a step to when you're a player or young players out there today. And I can take this back with the knowledge that I now know of coaching and managing and 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 my, my methods in the game. It's every player's responsibility to come and get as much information out of me as possible. They don't ask enough questions. No. Neither do. And I'm not saying that I'll know every single answer, but what I will do, Jim Paul, I'll go and get you that answer if I don't know it, because I know a wealthy experienced coaches that will guide me and help, and it's something else that I've maybe learned there. And I would encourage every player coming into the game, if there's something that you're not sure about, ask that question. And we encourage that. You know, don't be embarrassed that if you don't understand what we're, we're asking, let's guide ourselves through there and, and shape and we'll come up with the answer. But this is the reason of why you're doing it. And you've got to understand that and why it's going to improve improve you as a player. Yeah. And and that might work in terms of that player's at Clyde at this moment in time. If that player then moves on and works with another coach somewhere else, that coach might not particularly want him to use that tool but at least he's still good in his locker. Mm. Correct. Yeah. So he has. Correct. Yeah. And it's there, and it's there for him to use. And you, you look at it as well. The best players don't necessarily make the best team. Because mm-hmm. some of the best players in there don't really want to do the work that that guy out there that's got lesser ability can do. The guy with lesser ability maybe want to have the ability that he's got, mm-hmm. but the guy with the attitude, the attitude and a wee bit of ability, then, then he's coachable. Then he can g- become part of a very good team. That, I feel, is very important. The best players don't make the best team, but see when see when the chef or the good the good coach yeah. gels them all together, that's the difference. That's probably my biggest bugbear in the game, uh, Jim. And maybe just because of my own mentality. I'm not saying I was the, the best player or the worst no. player but I had an attitude it was my attitude that kept me in the game or still keeps me in the game that, that's what's kept me in the game you know um, wasn't blessed with height was quick had a decent football brain good range of passing etc um, but I think when you actually see um, players today in terms of where, where, where the the direction of where they go you know they give up on it too easy yeah so they do um, and and if something's not working, you know, old school, we went and fixed something that, you know, because it went, meant something to you. But in today's society, there are that many things that, you know, we just move on to the, ne- on to the next one. A next opportunity will come. Um, and who's to blame for that? I think it's us. I think it's your generations, you know, in the way that we've brought up our kids. Yeah. You know, not just this year, but generations before us. Um, and, you know, we've got to... Somebody actually spoke to, to me the other day. I was actually, I was actually angry. A player never, a young player never turned up for training on, on Saturday. And I looked at my phone after training, and sure enough, there was a couple of messages, text messages. Now I understand this is the way that young player, young people now communicate with each other. I understand that, but what young people have also got to understand. There's got to be a respect for the older generation and the way that they communicated. Pick the phone up. Excellent. Pick the phone up and speak face to face. I think we're giving, making life far too easy for the young ones nowadays. And and I mean that as a parent myself. You know, we we, we hand and lay them for absolutely everything. We've got to get back to... See me, I I would bring back back, uh, national service. So Mm. I'd bring back the school belt. 
So would. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're, they're the type of values that I thought. I was always getting a school belt. Right, so, so I was, was always I, getting Jim. a belt in it. So was I, Jim. You know what um, I mean? <laughs> and they're the values that I feel. You know, there's no just a. There just this doesn't seem to be the same respect for authority in that now. There is isn't and and it's very. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Very, very refreshing to hear this. So all the, all the young e- youngsters out there and youth players that's, that's listening and watching attitude, attitude, attitude all the time. Yeah. You look at it, you look at it, you set out as a player to achieve what you wanted to uh, achieve or maybe you never got to mm-hmm. where you, you want your goal was. But that goal's only set to be reached. And if you don't reach that, you move on to your next goal. You don't stay static within that. You've got to be like water. You've got to flow. You've got to get to where you want to get to and then go, right, I've got, why don't I go there? As a coach, when I come into coaching, I said, see, when I come in, I want to achieve as as much as I can. And I think that's why the top players, Jim, and the top managers are successful. Because when they they win something... um, they're on to the next one right away. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're, they're for, they'll enjoy the moment, they'll enjoy the occasion, but they want to repeat that and they want to repeat it again. Um, and it's like anything, I've had a wee bit of success in, in, in the clubs that I've been at and I've enjoyed that success, but I'm still hungry, I still aspire for more, I still have the dreams as I had as a Absolutely. kid playing football. I still want, I want to get back to the, I want to get back to the big league again, I want to get back to cup finals, I want more of it, I loved it. Um, and, I just think sometimes when you you certain players don't know how to handle success. That's you know, they think when they've had it, yeah. when they've climbed that mountain, they've got a wee bit of success. They don't know how to hang on to it. Mm-hmm. Neither mm-hmm. do they've got to hang on with that for grim death. You know, and start to climb back up yeah. that mountain again to get to the levels where they where they want to be. Um, and I've I've got a great wee thing that you know every footballer out there makes the same mistakes. The top ones just make them less frequent. Mm-hmm. You know when you're talking about the success and not knowing how to deal with it, I've thought a lot about that, Danny. I've never had any success in football. But just, you know, generally in life, people get so used to to being at a certain level uh, or in a certain rut that when they're faced with something that's better or success, they do actually struggle to maintain it or even accept it, that they deserve it. Mm. You mentioned something when um, you were making your way in the game and the four aspects one being the psychological the mental aspect of it is that something that you've tapped into yourself as a manager? Massively massively um, particularly when I went to St Mirren you know you get inside players head I worked with a, a sports psychologist who was great for me personally and uh, in terms of the team um, now since then you know I've learned a great deal and took a lot from that don't know everything, I'll still pick up the phone um, and ask for advice, um, etc., and how to deal with a certain situation. But some of the things I've learned, you know, has been absolutely fantastic. I think the psychologist at the football club has got to be the manager, you know, in terms of your one-to-one conversations with the players and what makes these players tick, what one likes that rocket, what one likes that wee cuddle. 
And that's that's good management and how quickly you identify it. And what makes good managers is that every player at some stage of the season will come off the rail. It's how quickly as a coach you recognise that and get them back on it. That that's that's the key thing. Um and you know, I I, I just feel psychologically and how you make somebody feel how you make them wanted, you know, before they cross that white line, you know, certainly as, as, as the game's developing and the longer I've been in the game in management, I certainly believe that a big part of the game's won in the dressing room before they even go out that, cross that white line, mm-hmm. yep. no doubt. You know, when you, you made that step from Cowdenbeath to St Mirren, two successive promotions at Cowdenbeath, a wee bit of a buzz developing around about the club at that time. And you, in your own mindset, obviously you're going to have to tune into a different challenge when you move to St Mirren. Yet you thought that a couple of players could make that step up as well, Danny. Was that a lot in your mind? Was that about their state of mind as well, to make the step up? Yeah, I think it was somewhat for me when I took them to St Mirren. Um, because that's where my finances dictated when I went to St Mirren with the, with the budget, Paul. You know, and I needed to bring in a few players. Sometimes you're better knowing the devil that you know than you don't know. And there was one or two players there that I thought, yeah, you did great for me. And I think you'll see managers that that have always maybe rewarded players, you know, that they've always maybe took them from club to club. Um, and a great example for me was, was the boy Dan McGregor. Um, I think it was £1,500. I paid for him at, uh, for Trenent, I think it was. Um Apologies if I've got that wrong. I think it was Trinent. And he came back and he was outstanding for me at Cownbeath as a centre-back and also as a, a, a midfielder who, you know, had a big influence in both boxes, you know, defending and scoring goals. Brought me St Milne and he started great. His attitude uh, wasn't the sharpest upstairs, but a desire and a hunger to, to learn very, very quickly. He was very misfortunate. He went out, um, I think, in his... Second season, a uh, second season with a cruciate injury. Might have even been his, might have been his first season actually. Um, came back um, after a year for the next again season, and just about the third or fourth game back in it, done the other cruciate, another. Now that would have finished many a player. Yeah. So it would have just, just mentally without being physical. No damn, you know, he bounced back again there. He came through that. He then became and, 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 and made his na- a name for himself at, at St Mirren, getting a good number of appearances and no going unnoticed and, um, you know, gets a dream move to, to Glasgow Rangers. Now, what a great learning curve to come for Trinent, to now playing with Glasgow Rangers, to working with great coaches like Warburton, you know, in, in, in terms of the experience and the players that he's working with there and now to go and play with his boyhood, boyhood heroes. You know, it's a that that's that's the stories that, that grab you and, and to have a wee helping hand and, and and allow these players to fulfil those ambitions and dreams is very satisfying as a coach. Another one that came for Cowdenbeath that year was a, a a chap called Gareth Wardlow. Scored wonderful goals for me. He was a postman mm-hmm. and offered always delivered. Always delivered. Always delivered. Yeah, the delivery. Brilliant. And um, Gareth came. And he was an infectious big boy, gave you absolutely thingy, everything that he had. But he didn't play every single game. But I recall in the first season was a difficult season for myself. You know, I was used to winning week in and week out at Cowdenbeath. But now I had to learn what the top league was all about and 
what St Mirren was all about and it was all about winning games I had to change my philosophy and the style of footballers that I had I had to identify that quickly and we're getting to that nitty gritty bit of the season three or four, three games or something to go Hamilton were chasing us and we only needed one more victory you know to, to secure um, our status in the, the SPFL again couldn't have been a more difficult venue we were away to Aberdeen on a Wednesday evening um, hadn't won up there for 27 years and I knew it was just going to be a physical horrible game you know when the pitch was dry rutty at that particular stage of the season Hamilton were starting to win games they were they were chasing they were at St Johnston that night I can, I'll never forget that um, and it was one of the ones because you were then starting to look over your shoulder at other results you know but the focus was in this moment and this night at Aberdeen I went with a physical side and I played Gareth Wardlow up top and he was absolutely brilliant for me Paul um, so he was and who scored the winning goal Gareth Wardlow so I think that that justified alone you know the the, the worth of Gareth coming back down the road that, that, that journey the players were all you know celebrating you know another year which was a great achievement it didn't fuel me it wasn't enough for me though you know I thought not Surely we've got to be better than that. Mm-hmm. And um, I had big decisions to make that next to get on two days later on the Friday um, and, and and let the majority of that squad go, know that there, there wouldn't be any more con- uh, a further contract for them. So that was the difficult part of it. But it gave me a blank canvas there for myself for the following season, which, you know, let me get players in there that I, that I feel could play to the style of football that I wanted to and... We couldn't have been that bad because I still got letters and, and emails for St Mirren fans to say that they come in seasons were the, the best that they've seen for a long, long time. See, when you think about that team you built though, Danny, I mean, as a Celtic fan, obviously, <clears throat> we were the victims of that in your cup run in the semi-final and we'll talk about that game as well. But often what happens is you look at what happens to the, the side after the manager leaves and then you sometimes appreciate just how good a job mm-hmm. you did at St Mirren. And, you know, to take them to a National Cup final, not only that, but to win was, was incredible. But through that, that process and through that period, you were introducing guys like a 17-year-old John McGinn mm-hmm. into the side. I mean, from his very early days, Danny, talk to us about the, the impact he made in your team. Yeah, that, that, that was another part of my remit, as well as keeping St Mirren, you know, dining at the top table year in and year out. That was the main priority. Um, a big part of my, my development um, at Gretna Football Club, you know, I, I was always, you know, um, interested in youth football, young energy players at, with that attitude yeah. and that hunger, yeah. you know, um, and that that is still the case today, um, so it is. But that was one thing that was in my remit, was to bridge the gap between the first team and uh, the academy players at St Mirren. Um, and people often say to me, Paul, you know, about winning the cup, and they were all nice moments and getting the two top finishes in the club's history, you know, the the the, the eighth, etc. But the biggest satisfaction for me was bridging that gap and, and, and seeing the likes of the youth players starting to come through. John McGinn, Kenny McLean, you know, and you go back to wee John McGinn as a 17-year-old um, or a 16-year-old at that time, maybe playing in the reserve games, um, as, 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 as we would call them. And I'd built that stand and John... As you're up the stand, we all see the game differently, don't we? But you see two or three things up the stand, don't you? And as soon as John picked the ball up, I would look and I would see, right, what are you seeing here, John? 
See the amount of times that he would see something that I didn't even see up the stand and deliver the pass was incredible. I says, he's ready, he's mm-hmm. ready. We brought him over. How did they handle the experience? They trained him with the first team every day. Took it like a duck to water. Sometimes in terms of kids coming over to that environment, sometimes a week to 10 days, two weeks later, you've got to send them back over, see how they handle that. John never went back. Neither did he. Was, he was incredible. He was... You know, everything that that, that, that boy gets, um, uh, he deserves because he's he's got a hunger, that attitude and a desire and a very, very respectful guy. You know, he was the one, the last off the train, he's the one that didn't have to ask him to pick that corner, didn't ask him to bring the balls out. He was the man that already had them. He knew what had to be done. He was a pleasure to work with. Brilliant. Pleasure. See, see when I said earlier that, my first priori- priority as a sporting director at Clyde is to ensure that Clyde are in business this time next year due to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. My second priority is to ensure that this man to the right of me is at Clyde for the, for the foreseeable future and for, for a long term possible. Because as you've just listened here, as I'm just sitting listening to here, to the, the success that he's had and how he's achieved it, for us to retain this man here at Clyde is, is, is a major, major step because he should be, in my humble opinion, working, and with all due respect, at a far higher club than Clyde and definitely at least in the Scottish Premiership. So that will be a real feather in my cap. If we come back here next year this time, Paul, that he's sitting beside me still as a manager of Clyde. Your enthusiasm is fantastic. Even talking the way you're putting it across... I'd play for you. I would come in and play for you. And I would would be coming in and even if I wasn't getting a game, I'd still go, I want to play Mm. for you. I wouldn't want to play for Clyde. I I would want to play for you. I was at Clyde, as you know. Yes. Graham. Yes. Uh, I would, I'd play for you. Just like I said yesterday, I'd play for Neil Lennon. Yeah. I'd play for anywhere for Neil Lennon. And any player that's in in that club at Celtic should be going I'll play anywhere for you boss same with your players that you've got I'll play anywhere you come to Jimmy Johnson Academy and every one of the young players if you ask them Danny where they play what do they say anywhere <coughs> anywhere truth, they do Mr Hay was in mm-hmm. Mr Hay Paul fanta- I think you're a fantastic author I think you've done great in life. I think you've done brilliant uh, with what you've achieved with a Celtic state of mind. I think you've done fantastic with your books. Right? I think you've done great and you'll get great things to come. Your your goal is still no reach. You've got to get even higher than, than what you are today. Everybody keeps going. Mr Hayes says when the first player came in, how you doing son? Sign the book. Where do you play? Anywhere. Next player comes in. Hi, son, how are you? Hi, good. What position do you play? Anywhere. Everyone. And he stopped, didn't he? Mm-hmm. He actually stopped, Graham, and he says, did they all play anywhere? <laughs> he says, yeah, they all play he anywhere. He did, he thought it it's was brilliant. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's, it's a wonderful Alan quote. Alan Alfie, Tommy Burns. It's a wonderful quote. Uh, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but isn't it refreshing? It's great. But Clay's a great club. Yes, excellent club. Clyde's a great club. Really great, good, great really history. good people. Really good, good, great good people. History. Great history. I was at Clyde when we beat Celtic. We beat Celtic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was a fantastic party. The, the the coaching staff, me and Jimmy Strafty. Yeah. We were there. It was brilliant. 
It was a great feeling being Celtic. Because as a coach and you're part of that environment, it doesn't matter who you're playing. You go and go, wow, that's a result. And oh, everybody the togetherness and mm. everybody that worked hand in hand to get that result was fantastic. Equally at Annan. Yeah. Went to play Rangers at Ibrox. Yeah. Battered them. Yeah. Battered Rangers. Another great result. And, and it's that, fantastic. That, 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 it that, should be every, that should be everybody's ambition in life, regardless of, of what you do, Jim. Yes. Is to go out there and try, play, compete, and be the best that you can be. So as you know, I think I think to go out there and um give it your all week in, week out. And I love that the, the, the fact that you play anywhere. Um the, 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 you go out there and where do you play play anywhere that, that is dying now because there's so many players out there well I'm here and, and players will use that against them but you played me you played me in this ah. position and, and, and I really like coming off the I'm right footed but I like coming off the left now because I like to cut inside and things open up for me son yeah but you're not stretching the game for me enough there son to exploit the space for uh, somebody else pal uh, abs- abs- you know absolutely and, and, and that's where to the degree players have got to understand that in, in my style of football and the way that I want Clive Football to club, club to play, we want to own as much ownership of the ball as we possibly can because I think we're better with the ball than without it. So the first process for the ball at the goalkeeper, we've got to have a structure, how do we get on the ball at the back? How do we play through the second phase of that? And it's important that these other ones in, at, at the top of the end of the pitch that they're disciplined enough to do what they want. Not because they're not getting a kick of the ball, that they just go here, there and everywhere for a field. Yeah. I remember Alec Muller once saying to me, um, when I was at Hibs, and he used me, he would play a 4-4-2, and he would use me more often than not in a narrow midfield four on the right-hand side. Yeah. And one day, one game, first team game, and I came in, and he says, I thought you were the best player on the pitch today, son. I didn't feel I, I contributed enough in terms of possession, you know, the ball. I said, I didn't think I, I get enough. And he pulled me aside. He said, you're disciplined to hold the role and the position to let others. He says, it didn't go unnoticed. Mm-hmm. Right, it did. And that always stuck with me. You know, that you didn't have to be the best player, but you had to be dis- disciplined to do your role within what the team has asked for you to do. And that might be that you sacrifice yourself so that your wee creative player can get on on the ball in a specific, specific area of the pitch to be more creative. You know, rather than taking uh, three players on, he might only hate to take two on, just because you're disciplined in that, that, that area of the pitch. But you, you, you've got an environment of being disciplined. There's what he, he going to play Carlisle United, Jim Chapman and Joyce. Going to, he, so we were going down he, to play. Young boy came in as a trialist and... Uh, Jim Chapman says to him, where do you play? He says, uh, I'm a right back. He says, I need you to play maybe right mid tonight. What do you think? He says, no, nah, I'm a right back. Never even get stripped. Yeah. So yeah. there was a lack, but there was a lack of discipline. Maybe if we were that young player has came for Graham. Yeah. Or, or Jim, is it the fact that as a young player, he wasn't coached better Yeah. to, to do the same answers that your kids give where do you play anywhere? Mm-hmm. His coach allowed him just to say, I'm a right back. Yeah. Well, do you know what? You've just diminished your chances by 90% mm-hmm. uh-huh. of playing in the game. Mm-hmm. Aye, yeah. But that is the mass saying. I learned that from no, Tommy I know Burns. That. Yeah. 
Yes, and, and so on, and so we pass it on. So if, if coaches are the biggest thieves, Jim. Correct. Mm-hmm. So we, we all we all learn for each other. You're, you're right. But I think yeah. that's the importance of how how much influence a coach does have on young players, and that's important because I, I even recall the bits of success that I have. But there's no date when when any time that I've been successful in any clubs that I've been been at, I always for I'll never forget. The coaches that made me fall in love with the game, yeah. mm-hmm. Johnny Fordyce and Tam McCabe, you know, mm-hmm. Whitburn Community Centre. I'll never forget the guys. Brilliant. They were the ones that made me fall in love with the game. Um, Can I tell you a wee quick story, Paul? Yes. So I'm down in Windsor. I'm down in Windsor. Visiting a friend, visiting a friend. Yes, Windsor Castle. They're going to lock me up doing their game. So anyway, we get asked to go down and play. We're preparing for the the Rangers International Youth Tournament. All right. So we get down the week uh, ten days before it, and uh, we were invited down by a good friend of Paul and I's, uh, which wasn't he uh, from the the royal <laughs> side? His name is Jeff Healy, who made. Um, a film called Lord of the Wing about Jimmy Johnston so we got down and we played he, he thought it was great that we come down to he, he, he played down there in Windsor and all these Celtic supporters wanted to come along and see a, a Jimmy Johnston team playing so anyway uh, we play uh, Windsor and Eton inside the, the grounds uh, down there and uh, this guy asked us if we could um, play his team the next day so anyway cut the story short Jim that we decide to play them and this player's playing this young player's playing in the park I went wow wow look at his attitude not just his skill his attitude he's playing right mid playing right mid stole the show went on after it spoke to him I said why you get potential to become a player have you heard of Jimmy Johnson no no not really I said well you should really get yourself uh, come up to Glasgow with us anyway we ended up speaking to them he was a sub. He only got a game because the guy couldn't get. He got guy was away playing with the county for the uh, the in the Arsenal International Youth Tournament. Anyway, so he his uncle phones us and we say, "Are you sure you got the right player? He's a sub, and maybe his attitude's not the best at the times." I says, "Definitely." So we managed to get the kid up. So we then go to the Rangers International Youth Tournament. So he's in there. He says, "Remember, where do you play?" He says, uh, "Right, mad." He says, "I said no. Where do you play?" No sure what you mean. He says, you play anywhere. So wherever we take you, you play anywhere. And he did. So we take him to Celtic. He eventually gets signed. His name's Darnell Fisher. Right? He started as a right mid with Celtic. He went to right back. But there was us bringing that kid up here, helping him get, only helping to get him in on the platform where we wanted to get. But he then, with a wee bit from ourselves, where do you play? Anywhere. And Neil Lennon at that particular time, he liked that attitude as well. Where he play anywhere, right. and he eventually played him at right back. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, I so, rated Daniel mm-hmm. Fisher highly. Yeah. He's doing well. So that's a great story. It's a great story. And look at that. The, the, the young man's mm-hmm. life has been on. Right. He, he, he's he's done fantastic. So we're only a wee part of it. But you're right with your coaches. Yeah. You've mentioned at Whitburn. We're only wee stepping stones mm-hmm. that help players to go on on the road. Well, just as you're saying that, Jim and, and Daniel probably come in here. I had a wee saying for Daniel the other <laughs> week about the club that um, Rome wasn't built in a day, but a wee bit of it was. Aye. And yeah. that's what you always got to kind of look at and, and, oh, yeah. and, and take it yeah. for the long term. I like that. Brian Clough said Rome wasn't built in a day, but I wasn't on that job. 
I wish I had to remember that one. I was actually watching the Damned United last night. Oh, it's brilliant. Oh, it's Wait, good, it? yeah. good movie. Now, this man's praised you. This man's praised you, Danny. This man's very Quite good. So. Yeah. Quite rightly so. And this man's very good as well. So no, he, listen, he, he's, I've, I've, he's a good coach I've and known, a, a good Graham, mentor. Yeah, I've known Graham for a, a good number of years. Um, I put in fact, he actually put me through one of my early coach education coach courses. Education I, courses all those years ago. He put me through them as Kept well. Kept me falling in love with the game. And, um, you know, I, I opened, when the board of directors were talking to me about a, a, a sporting director coming in, um, I welcomed it with both arms. It was important that we got the right one. Um, so it was and we had a couple of meetings and you know just picked up I just you, you just get a feel for somebody you know right Aye. away um, we, we had a couple of meetings um, then introduced the staff and you know when you're just sitting in a room you just feel complete and you just feel comfortable with everybody in that room mm-hmm. you know I'm on about the, mm-hmm. the, the recruitment that yeah. that Graham's now uh, PJ's come in you know the, the head Good of guy, recruitment PJ. you know yeah. the goalkeeping yeah. uh, coach Chris Fahey the assistant manager and, all that. and then I just said we're complete here you know and it's important that when we have those meetings that we can say what we want we can be honest with one another um, but at the end of the day you know we've got each other's back and we're there for one reason you know and that is for the success of Clyde Football Club yeah. and I believe with the experience that, that, that Graham's going to come along and the guiding help that he's going to that he's going to give myself, you know, it'll, it'll only it'll only help improve us. Absolutely. Can I'll I di- not, can I'll no need to give him much more help. I'll tell you that right. Well, <laughs> can I diverse just for a wee second, Paul? Can Can I ask you, Graham, about your involvement with the Celtic International uh, Elite Academy? Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, I've been involved in that now since two thousand and. 16, I think it was, 2016. My first venture was to China. Um, Which we spoke about in the podcast. We spoke about it on, on, on a, 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 a podcast previously. And uh, I've, I've loved every minute of it. Uh, going to different countries, Australia. Um, the best one for me, as, as we spoke about at length, was Cambodia. Yeah. So, no, it, it's, it's um, fantastic. And are you looking it. for players out there, Graham? Are you looking to bring players, uh, identify the players? If, if there's any there, then certainly, uh, most definitely. Because what, what they, they, they are termed as in, in the different areas we go to are elite player camps. Now, Celtic have 70-odd partner clubs throughout the world. Mm-hmm. So the elite player camps are for the, the better players who then have the opportunity to come over to Celtic Park and spend a week at the uh, St. Ninian's Academy and then... Um, if they go and the last one I think to come over uh, that I was involved with was a a lad called Charlie oh gosh that's terrible I can't remember his second name came from the club in Australia called Narang um, he didn't sign for Celtic however he, he has signed for Shrewsbury good on a three year contract excellent so you know um, if there's players there they're, they're recommended but that's not the, the be all and end all for it it's to, to form the partnership with clubs to go over and do a bit of coach education with um, the coaches over there and give the opportunity for anyone who shows a bit of talent for to come back over to Celtic brilliant fantastic no, very brilliant. good Danny there's a few wee questions I'd like to pick your brains about first of all we've, we've mentioned John McGinn I, I just 
I'm so enthused by him. I think he's going to be a linchpin for Scotland. I remember a story that Strachan told about him lifting the hampers, going back to what you said, the dedication, yeah, that's him. the humility. Yeah. How far can he take that? Because we see him at Aston Villa, but people believe, and I believe, he could step up even further. See, before you say yeah. that, Danny, see that word you've just used there, Paul? Humility. Yeah. That, for me, is a real... That one right up at the top there. If you don't have humility and be humble, no matter how good a player you are, I don't think uh, you're the real deal. No, I'd yeah. agree with that. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. And that, that's that been grounded for John. You know, they're very much a, a sporting yeah. family, mm-hmm. you know, for the, the granddad, the Volans, uh, at, at um, Celtic. His two brothers involved in the football, mum, sister. I think his mum played with Scotland at the netball. Right. So very much a, a sporting family, but a, a lovely, humble family, as you said there. For me, McGinn can go all the way. I think, I honestly think if Villa get relegated, eh, one of the bigger clubs would have, one of the bigger ones would have come in for him. He would have still been playing in the Premiership. Um, I could, I could I could see him in a man you shot. Mm-hmm. I, can, I, I can see it. I can see that big backside he has in the way that he... <laughs> He he, he 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 turns, you know. He's got a he's got a turn in the middle of the park like Dougleish had at the yeah, at the top, top end. end. You know, just uses it so well and strong and bounces. But his vision and his delivery delivery of the pass, you know, is second to none. And you look at players like John McGinn. He's graceful, you know. He's pleasing on the eye. He just makes the he's, he he makes the game as if you're watching it in slow motion. You know, he's 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 just class for me, class. I would have loved to have seen him in a Celtic jersey, but that's you another story. Been. That's another you story. You still might, you still might, Paul. You never I'd love know. to see that. Now you had massive success at Cowdenbeath, brilliant success at St Mirren, and when you left the club, what what were you thinking? Were you thinking somewhere along along the lines of I know the the job you've got at the moment, you you're using that and you're building something mm. there. But I mean, at that stage, I'm looking at you still as a Premier League manager. Yeah. you know, back when you left St Mirren. Yeah, I, I think, Paul, um, my, my oldest son was going through um, a bit of health problem at that particular, particular time. He took poorly when we were over in Mexico, the family holiday. So the, the, the much-needed six months after that, I was pleased that I was out of work, uh, to be honest, and, 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 and for once putting my family first, because uh, we know how much we, we sacrifice. And that's why yeah, I've always said that football managers' wives are... You know, they're, they're diamonds, they're diamonds, mm-hmm. so they are. Um, but when you then look at that, and I did, I seen myself, and I'm saying, not the opportunity will, will arrive. And I was getting to the interview tables, I was getting to the, the final three, but I wasn't getting over that line, Paul. Um, and I'm saying, maybe it's not going to come. I managed to get the, the um, I got a call for Stuart Regan, to, to go and take Scotland under 21s, which was absolutely fantastic. Um, maybe in a wee bit of false hopes that there was, um, I thought that it was going to be a permanent job at the end of it. Um, and I just wish there was a wee bit more um, honesty in that, mm-hmm. you know, for the outset. I would have still done it. There's no doubt about that. I would have still done it. Um, and I think, you know, it was a wonderful experience. I think I'm the only one that can say I've got 100% Scottish <laughs> win rate, uh, manager's win rate. Um, and I loved it. And then on the back of that, I went 
Mike Mulraney, uh, Alawa. Alawa were in the championship. They were struggling at that given time. And I went in with about, I think it was five games to go. They were almost relegated. Um, went in and I think we won four games out the last um, five, which took them into the playoff positions. We beat Cowden Beath um, in the, the, the semi-final level or uh, to go into the yeah to play Forfar in the final so we did and um, went up to Forfar midweek down 3-1 came back to Tiavala on the on the the, the, the Saturday and, and we won 3-0 with 10 men so it was an absolutely wonderful uh, wee story there but in terms of that journey I think I waited too long in getting back in and, and even then coming out of the experience of Alawa I'm saying, right, when's the next one going to come up? I went and played golf, my handicap, I get back down to seven, so I did. And I was loving it for about just over a year, but I was missing the game terribly. Mm-hmm. I was still getting to interview tables. Um, I actually thought I had one up north, to be perfectly honest. I flew back, family holiday, ten days early, so you can imagine the way for that one, and, right. and no getting the gig. Um, uh, we fell short with that one. Um, and then the Clyde opportunity came up. And I says, no, that's okay, it's second division. I says, but you might have to go down a few rungs of the ladder to, to, to come back up. But the foundation and the history of the football club, that's what attracted attracted me to it. I was missing the game terribly. And I felt that I, I, I could could help um, help them as much as they could help me at that given time. I needed football back in my life. And that's been it ever since, Paul. Um, I've had... We opportunities to be the success that we had at, at Clyde, you know, and um, I'm in a very, very good place at this minute in time and, and really enjoying, you know, working with the club. I, I see them, I, I remember my part at Thistle days always going to Clyde, how hard games they were, you know, and um, what a good team they were then in that championship. And and that's that's potentially where I see, see Clyde as a football club. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be a challenge and hard work to get there, but you know, we've certainly got the, the right ingredients to try and make that happen. And all that's coming, Paul, with, dare I say it, perhaps the lowest budget in the league yep. that we will be competing in under Danny's stewardship. And that's why I'm so desperate to make sure he's still here with me next year. <clears throat> well, it, it's a bittersweet thing, that, isn't it? Because on the one hand, obviously, Jim and I have, have been keeping an eye on Clyde because yeah. of your involvement yeah. in, in that as well, Graham. Uh, the fact that you had a McStay and a Grant in the midfield at one point as well, I was mm-hmm. keeping an eye on that, you know. But it, it does show that obviously the success that hopefully you continue to have there, Danny, will lead you to where, where you want to be as well, you know. Yeah, you mentioned two quality players there, Paul, that did great. You know, and they came in as young boys that needed that Aye, experience to, right. to, yep. to to get first-team football and, and games on their CV. That's what these, these two boys needed. And... You know, I'm absolutely delighted that Raymond Grant's now playing in the championship. You've had a wee helping hand. Personally, I think he could have went higher. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he could have got full-time football. That's my opinion of, 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 of the boy. And I think it's like anything in life, you know, that if, if, if you work hard, you keep dreaming, and you get that wee bit of luck that everybody needs in any walk of life. Um, you know, and, 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 and as Graham rightly says, it's, it's Graham's responsibility to make sure that we've got a management team in there that's going to make sure that that Clyde Football Club are always competing but 
you know, I, I think at this minute in time, I'm in the right, I'm in the right movie, and there's no doubt about that. I'm really looking forward to an exciting season, uh, and a short one. So it's going to be fast, it's going to be furious, and you know, we're just looking to go and hit that ground running. But like any footballer, like any coach manager out there. I still dream, I still have that ambition, I still have that drive to manage at a higher level. I still, as Graham had mentioned, I, I do believe that I have the qualities. Sometimes when the gig doesn't come along or or the longer it takes, and I think it's only natural you doubt yourself in, in any walk of life, but the most important thing is that you're surrounded with good people that continue to, to every now and again remember what you've achieved. And I think it's... It's nice to reflect back on it, but not to dwell on it. Mm-hmm. Well, from Jim and I's perspective, today's been fascinating. It's been brilliant to have you in the studio, and uh, hopefully we can do it again sometime. We're going to be keeping an eye on Clyde from a Celtic state of mind. Um, I think some of your philosophies and some of your, the ways that you've been looking at the game are, are brilliant, Danny, really positive. So yep. all the very best to both of you. Oh, thank you very season. much, Paul. Thank you very much for um, your time, guys. And thank you from Jim and I. Uh, for coming and joining us on a Celtic State of Mind. Thank you. Ah, you're welcome. Thanks very much, gents. Great show. I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company go to iheartresults.com for more sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.